Now, I'm going to talk to you about first things today. Uh, we have been talking about the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I only wish I'd coined that. I didn't, but it's true. Jesus put it this way, seek for, well, let's just read it together. Matthew 6, This is our key verse for this series. Let's just read it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his, and what will happen? All these things shall be added to you. These things being uh, shelter, food, clothing, all the things that the lost world worries about all the time. Jesus said it will be added to you as a side benefit of seeking first the kingdom. He said, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom. Now, there are hindrances to seeking first the kingdom. Now, there are things that Satan puts in front of us, roadblocks, landmines, uh, pitfalls. There are things that we allow into our own life, that crowd into our life, that cause us to not seek first the kingdom of God. This is something, what we just read is something we've got to be intentional about. You can't just expect it to happen. You must be intentional because you won't always feel it. You're not going to feel like it all the time to get up in the morning and seek first the kingdom. Um, But we must decide. So I'm going to talk to you today about three things that are used either by the devil or we allow to come in that hinder us from seeking the kingdom. So let's pray. Father, we thank you right now that you are blessing your church but particularly that part of the church, Lord, that is putting you first. Those are the ones reaping the mother load of blessing, anointing, victory. And I pray that today, as we look at these various hindrances, that if they're in our life, they've been in mine, that if they're in our lives today, that, Lord, you will help us to remove them and make a straight path for the Lord in our life that we seek first the kingdom. Now, would you pray with me and just say, Lord, speak to me today and help me to be changed by your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him first things first, first things first, first things first. Now, I'll tell you where I got this. I got these three hindrances as I was reading the parable of the sower. Now, the parable of the sower is one of Jesus' most famous parables. As a matter of fact, get this. Jesus said, if you understand the parable of the sower, then you will be able to understand all other parables. So there's something about this parable of the sower that is a key that unlocks our understanding to the rest of the parables that Jesus taught. I'm just telling you what he said. So there's something about this parable that's very pivotal to us understanding the teachings of Jesus. Now, in the parable of the sower that we're about to read, we're going to find three things, a sower, a seed, and a soil. There is a sower sowing the seed, there's the seed, and that seed goes into soil. Now, Jesus shows the seed going into four types of soil, and he calls them hard ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground. Now, let me just tell you what those things mean. Jesus says the sower is himself. He said, I'm the sower. When he went to explain the parable to his disciples, he said, the sower is me. Now, by default, 
The sower is now all of us. We all sow. I'm sowing right now. I'm sowing the seed of the word of God right now. And I fully expect it to bring forth fruit and it's not going to return to me void. It's going to do what it's sent forth to accomplish. So there is the sower, that's Jesus. The soil represents the heart. Hard ground, stony ground, thorny ground, good ground. That's the heart. Jesus is dealing with the heart. He's about to mess with our stuff. Okay? Now, the, the seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed is the word of God. When you and I heard John 3.16 for the first time, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That was a seed. And it fell onto four kinds of ground. But the seed is supernatural. In that seed is the power to change our life. Peter wrote, you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. So he's telling us right there that the word of God is a seed and it's so powerful. See, I learned a long time ago as a preacher, as a teacher, Don't get up and tell people what you think about things. Just preach that word. Just preach that word. And you'll find any message I share with you, it's full of scriptures. Why? Because it's seed. And I know it has the power to change your life. And it's going to do so today. So Peter said, you were born again when you heard the imperishable word of God. Now get this, the seed, God's word, carries within it all the incredible potential of the kingdom of God coming to fruition in a person's heart. The seed of the word of God has the power to change you into a person, doing things, achieving things, going places, reaching places you would have never done apart from the power of the imperishable word of God. But we're going to see in this parable, and this is the gist of the parable, that the seed that Jesus tells us about, that word of God, only bears fruit in one of the four types of soil. One out of four makes it. The other three are sabotaged. And they're sabotaged by three things. And we're going to go over those things. And I want you to think as I go over these things, now, which ground am I? Am I that hard ground? Am I that stony ground? Am I that thorny ground? Am I good ground? Now, I believe that most everybody in here is good ground, but I do believe that the enemy or just life itself can crowd these other ones in on you where where the word is being choked, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But listen carefully now. This parable, that we're about to read it, this parable is a cautionary tale designed to warn us, followers of Jesus, of three things that can hinder our walk with God and that can put a roadblock in front of our pursuit of the kingdom of God as first in our life. We have an enemy. And the last thing the enemy wants is for you and I to seek first the kingdom of God. The enemy loves moderate Christians. The enemy loves lukewarm believers. The enemy is terrified of believers that have been lit and they are like a torch and isn't anything going to shut them up. That's what the enemy fears. 
So let's read the parable. It's not very long, and I'm reading it out of the Living Bible because it put it so simply. But here it is, Mark 4. Here's, here's the parable. Jesus says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the hard pathway, the well-trodden path. And look what happened to it. The birds came and ate it up. Now, here comes the second soil. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had what, everybody? No root. Now, here comes the third soil. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And then finally, the good ground. Still other seed fell on good soil and it came up, it grew and it produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. So some people uh, that are fruitful, some bring forth 30, some bring forth 60, and some bring forth a maximum harvest. But at least the 30-fold person is bearing fruit. The first three bear no fruit. Now the disciples came to Jesus later and they said, man, well, they didn't say man, that's the revised Wickwire slandered version. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say, dude, that doesn't, no, I'm just, they said, Jesus, explain the parable to us. What did you mean? And Jesus said, okay, let me explain it to you. Now I'm going to, I'm going to show you Jesus explanations one ground after another. Now, first Jesus said, okay, here's the hard ground. Jesus said, these are the ones by the hard pathway where the word is sown. And when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Wow, what a tragedy. Because look, the imperishable seed of the word of God was sown on their heart, but their heart was hard, like hard ground. And so the seed didn't go down into the ground because that ground was hard. And we often hear about somebody having a hard heart. They're hard-hearted. Man, that person's cold. They are hard-hearted. The seed falls on that hard heart, and it doesn't go down in. Now, look what Jesus said happens to it. He said, Satan is standing there. Satan is right there when somebody hears the gospel. He's standing right there, and Jesus said, Satan comes immediately. He doesn't wait a day. He doesn't give that seed a 24-hour shelf life. Satan immediately swoops in and takes away the word sown in their hearts. This person right here never gets saved. This person never gets saved. And now Jesus is giving us a little glimpse into the spiritual world and let us see what really happens. Right now I'm preaching the gospel. People are going to be saved today. They were already saved in the first service. But here's the deal. Satan is standing right there to try to snatch that word out of your heart. I'm very aware that I'm in a spiritual battle right now. I'm going against the kingdom of Satan right now. Some of you have never come to Christ, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm coming in with the word of God, and my prayer is that you hear a voice within my voice, his voice. And the enemy is standing right there to try to pull you away, to try to steal that word. You know, the devil's always after the word of God in our life. He always wants to steal the word God puts in our life, not just the word when we get saved, he wants to snatch that gospel out 
but also through the years as God gives you a word. He speaks something to you, a vision, a, a, a uh, part of God's plan for your life. The, Satan will always try to snatch that word, steal that word, because he's a thief. How do you know Satan's lying if he's talking? Jesus said the word is stolen from their hard heart like a bird might land on a cement parking lot to snatch a breadcrumb and fly away with it. You see it all the time. You go to a place like Sonic where you're sitting outside and you got those grackles, those blackbirds with the long tails and the horrible screech. And they're, they're waiting for you to drop a crumb. And as soon as you do, whoosh, they're down. They grab it and they fly away. That's the devil. That's just like the devil. That's what he does with the word in people's hearts. This person's heart is hardened. It's unrepentant. And before they have a chance to think about or mull over what they have heard, Satan snatches it away. He tells them that was crazy. That was just a bunch of fanatics. What are you doing listening to them? You don't need that right now. You got places to go, things to do, bills to pay, kids to raise. You don't need that right now. Why would you even listen to that? Jesus is telling us in this parable, when you hear a word from God, when you hear the word of God, let it sink in. Think about it. Ponder it. Mull over it. Consider it. When I talk to people in our culture about Jesus, I'm amazed at how very few people in the American culture anymore really know what Jesus said really know who Jesus was, you'll give them a simple quote. Did you know that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? They said, no, I didn't know he said that. I don't accept it, though, because there's many ways to God. And you see right there another way Satan steals the word. He steals the word by distractions. He steals the word from procrastination. He steals the word because some people have developed prejudices against Christianity because of things other people have told them. And they don't know the truth about Jesus. Some have accepted what critics have said, and there's many critics in our culture today of Christianity outright. They will attack the Christian faith. And the lost listen to them. And instead of considering God's word for themselves, they listen to the critics. They, they have formed their opinion of Christianity from Hollywood. Now, I guarantee you if it's from Hollywood, it's wrong. Rarely do I go to a movie. Rarely. I think I've been to three movies in five, six years, and even those I walked out going, what a waste. I'm just saying. (laughs) Or, Or they read a book like The Da Vinci Code that is a total false representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of the word of God, and yet that's all they have, so they listen to that, and their hearts get hard against the real Christian faith, and the seed falls on a hard heart hard ground, and they don't consider, or, or here's a big one, they, they, they listen to hypocritical Christians, or they watch hypocritical Christians, and they say, I don't want to be like them, or they conclude that the whole thing is fake because of what they see from hypocritical Christians. Jesus said it's, it's inevitable that offenses should come, but woe to those through whom the offenses come. It's better that they have a millstone tied around their ankle, they throw, be thrown in the middle of the sea, than that they cause one of these little ones to stumble. Other people say, I'm too young, I'm too old. 
I'm too busy, or I'm not the religious type. I'm just not. And, and these arguments, these arguments go on in their heads when the seed is sown. And Satan uses these things to snatch that seed out of their heart before they repent. Here's the bottom line of the parable of the sower. Jesus wants all of us to carefully consider his claims and not allow the devil to pluck the word out of your heart before you have a chance to be saved. Some of you in here, I don't know who you are, but you're here or you're watching by video and you've got a question about your salvation whether you're right with God, whether you have truly had Christ come into your heart. I, wanna, I just want to encourage you today. I love you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I was saved in a jail as a 16-year-old. And when that word was sown onto my hard heart, the good thing that happened with me was the Holy Ghost was like a plow and plowed up the ground, and the seed went down. And I got saved. I accepted that seed. Don't allow false arguments and lies about Jesus or the Christian faith to keep you from carefully considering what he said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no human being gets to the Father but through me. What about that? Well, Jeff, he didn't really mean that. Oh, he really meant that. Have you considered that? That it's not, you don't go pick your Savior, pick your God, pick your faith. There's one Savior, one Redeemer, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. That's the hard ground. Then there's the stony ground. Jesus said to the disciples, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, and look at this, they get saved. They immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, look at this one. They receive the word with joy. Uh, They say, hallelujah, Jesus died for me, um, and, and I want him into my heart. They accept him, and they receive it with joy, and they have a great day. But then there's a but. But then, because they don't have deep roots, This second type of soil is shallow and it's rocky so that the word is received joyfully but never gets a chance to put down deep roots into this person's soul. I'll tell you what, I've been a pastor for 33 years and I have seen all kinds of different people get saved, come to Christ, come to church, begin the Christian walk. But but let me tell you, and I'm going to be honest with you, many start strong but end weak. Many start good but end bad. Many start excited, but they end up anything but excited. Many start well, but don't end well because they don't ever get the roots down, the roots down. We need roots down. you got to put down roots. Remember that movie, Roots? Listen, Christianity is all about roots. If you're going to go the long haul, you got to have roots deeper, longer than the branches. Roots. Now, I want to show you what kept them from getting roots down. Jesus said, and by the way, this parable is in three of the four Gospels. It's in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's in those three. And in every one of those three, the trouble that Jesus says 
causes them to not put down roots, he says it's persecution. Either the new Christian is mocked for their faith, or they lose friends, or they're ostracized at work, or they're shut out of family gatherings, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Or they're talked about, or they're painfully rejected by people they care about. In other words, here's the deal. The person who, who doesn't get the roots down, they get saved, they're gloriously saved, they're all excited, but they fall away from their sincerity and from seeking the kingdom first when they see, I'm going to pay a social price for this. I'm going to pay a social price. I'm not going to get to be Mr. or Mrs. Popular. Some people are going to tell me, where to get off. Some people are going to avoid me. When I go out there at lunchtime in my company and all of them are gathered at tables, I'm going to find that they real quick fill every chair and don't give me a chair. Some people are not going to like me and it's not that you're deodorant. It is Jesus in you, the hope of glory. And that's why they don't like you. But let me tell you something. Jesus said, this is the condemnation that, that Light came into the world, and men love darkness more than the light. That's the condemnation. So when Jesus lights you on fire, and you're lit, and you're full of him, and full of the Holy Spirit, and you think, hallelujah, everybody's going to be happy as I am about this, you learn real quickly there are some folks that aren't thrilled at all. Happened to me. Happened to me in my house. My first persecutors were members of my own family. They pelted me with questions. They made fun of my faith. They said it wouldn't last. They, they criticized me. I was the brunt of jokes in my own family. Now my little mother is probably watching and going, Jeffrey, cool it now. Take it easy. <laughs> but here's the deal. My little mother would tell you that she did it too. Until one night she came to a meeting I was preaching in, and the Holy Ghost convicted her, and she answered in the altar call. And watch this. I, for, I, I forgot my mic was hot. I had a mic like this. And I was preaching in a large church. My mother and sister snuck in. Now, she'd been making fun of me for years. My little mother snuck in, and, and the Holy Spirit nailed her. And when I gave the invitation, she came down. And when I saw her, I forgot, Mother, what are you doing here? It's true. Tears streaming down her face. She said, I came to get saved. I took that mic off, and I went and hugged my mother, and that was it. That was it. <clears throat> God, God can turn your enemies into your friends. Amen? And, and I led my dad to Christ, and, I, and I've led one of my sisters to Christ. The other two are doomed. They're coming in. I'm just, just a matter of time. But watch this. Here's the deal. But here, here's the reality. Jesus said, you are going to be person. He that would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If you really walk it, really talk it, really come out of the closet. Some of you are closet Christians. You, 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 you put on your Christianity on Sunday. You come into church, hallelujah, praise the Lord, kumbaya. And when you leave and get up Monday morning, nobody knows about your Christian faith. I know I've said it before, but can I say it? Everything on the planet is coming out of the closet. Let me just go where angels fear to tread. Transsexuals, 
transvestites, uh, uh, atheists, agnostics, you name it. They're coming out, and they're proud to come out. So, so if they're proud to come out, and, you know, God loves them, and I love them, and I don't condemn any of them, but, it, but, but, it, but listen, if everybody's coming out of the closet, we need to get out of the closet. We need to open the door and come out and shine, shine, shine. I can't believe I just said some of the things I just did, but I did. Like this women's march. Can I just preach a minute? This, this women's march. I mean, here's all these women. They said millions. I don't know how many. But, but when they spoke, the, the women's march in D.C., where, where it was all about abortion rights, the rights to kill a baby. And they step up to the microphone, and they have vile speech, horrible sewage speech, hatred, vile. I mean, I'm sorry. I watched some of it as much as I could stand. I said, there they are, proud to come out this way, proud to talk this way. And when they left D.C., the litter and the trash they left rivaled Woodstock with the trash, hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer dollars to clean it all up. But then the next week, the March for Life happened. Yeah. And, and when they were done, there was no litter, no trash, not a piece of paper on the street. It was clean talk. It was standing up for life. There is a difference. There is a battle going on in this country. And so the person that bears fruit is going to have to say, let them say whatever they want to say. There's an old saying, they say, what do they say? Let them say. I don't care what people think. Have you noticed their opinions change like the weather anyway? One day you're a hero, the next week you're a zero. One day they're patting you on the back, the next week they're stabbing you in the back. People's opinions of you change like the weather. I don't care what they think, but I care what he thinks. And if I want to bear fruit, then I must be willing to experience rejection for Christ. So persecution, paying a social price for walking with Jesus can become a roadblock to seeking first the kingdom of God. You've got to get over it. And then there's a third hindrance. The third hindrance is that thorny ground. And Jesus said, now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. That means worry. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Entering in, look what they do. They choke the word. Now, words are important in the Bible. Choke is from a Greek word that means to crowd in on and suffocate. So Jesus is saying, here you are, you're seeking first the kingdom of God, and then all of a sudden, some things begin to crowd into your life, and it's worries, and it's, it's, it's the desire for more money, it's materialism, and the desire for worldly pleasures. And he said they are planted right alongside the good seed. Now, there's a reason for that. Because as it's planted alongside the good seed, that means it grows up right next to it and begins to crowd it out. Until finally, that 
growth of thorns is choking, crowding in on, and suffocating your spiritual life. That's why we're doing this whole series, First Things First. You've got to seek first the kingdom of God. Nothing can superimpose itself upon our desire and resolve to seek first the kingdom. I'm not going to let anything crowd in. Now, now notice, because I, I know what some people think. They say, see there, God doesn't want us to have any fun because you're, you're, you're slamming worldly pleasures. You're, you're slamming just the way people do life. No, I'm not. I want you to understand, our God is not a killjoy. If you, if you become a Christian, that doesn't mean you're going to wear a furrowed brow and a frown the rest of your life with no sense of humor, never laughing out loud, sitting around reading your Bible all day, waiting for God to judge the world. You're just a blast to go on vacation with. That, that's not what God does to you. See, a lot, some people don't get saved because I know what God's going to do to me. I'm going to become one of those Bible thumpers walking around with a Bible and a frown on my face talking about the end of the world and I'm not going to have any more fun and go to any more parties and enjoy life anymore. And that is another lie. You need to investigate the truth yourself. Listen, let me read one verse to you. Paul said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud or trust in their money because it won't save you. Their trust should be in God who richly, everybody say richly, That means abundantly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Does that sound like a killjoy to you? I want to read it again. God richly, abundantly gives us all things to enjoy. Um, Again, my little mother. She never has a down day. She's 92. She drives herself to church every Sunday. She doesn't have any mental issues, no physical issues. She's always up and she calls me all the time, Jeffrey, I got a joke for you. And then I say, well, what's the joke? And I said, where'd you get it? And she said, my bridge club. She gets all of her jokes from the bridge club, which you know is clean and holy. And there's halos over all their heads, the bridge club. And, and she goes there a couple times a week. She said, I got a joke for my bridge club. She'll tell it to me. And even if I don't laugh, she laughs so hard, she starts coughing on the other side. I have to put the phone down. Go ahead, mother, cough and come back to me, laughing at her own joke. And she says, do you think you can share that at church? I don't know. Well, if you do, tell me and I'll watch. But my little mother is so happy. She's a totally committed Christian. And, and she gets with that little bridge club. They don't have to smoke something, sm- uh, drink something, snort something, shoot something. They don't have to do any of that. They just have good, clean, wholesome enjoyment of life because of Jesus in their heart. Amen. Say with me, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. God made it. And it's best when he's in first place. Jesus' point is this, once we make a decision to follow him, we need to be careful not to let worldly attachments distract us from the main thing. Now there's the good ground, and I'm going to close with this, the good ground. Now I want to use Luke's gospel to quote this part about the grounds because Luke adds two words that Mark doesn't add. Luke says in 8.15, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word 
with a noble and good heart, say with me, keep it. And bear fruit with, say it, patience. Now, Mark says that the good soil accepts the seed. But Luke's gospel says they keep the seed. And you know what that means? Hold it tight. So we could combine the two and say this. Once the good soil accepts the seed, it holds it tight, refusing to let anything steal it away. And that's what you've got to do with the things of God. You've got to hold them tight. If you can't keep, you keep a good, you keep a loose grip on the things of this world, but you keep a tight grip on the things of God. Because there's always an enemy out there to steal it from you. Jesus goes on to say that the good soil brings forth fruit with patient perseverance. So here's the, here's the picture of the good soil. And I know all of us want to be good soil, but here it is. They're not deterred or detoured. They don't quit over discouragement. They daily seek first the kingdom. They patiently hold on tight to the promises of God. And as time goes on, they bring forth fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. They used to be so mean, now they're so gentle. Meekness, kindness, they used to be so ornery, now they're kind. Faith, against such there is no law. And these fruits begin to produce in their life. I want you to stand with me, can you? And I want you just to say with me, the hindrances to seeking the kingdom are a hard heart that never accepts the seed, a stony heart that never puts down roots from the seed, and a distracted heart that never puts the seed first. Now, as I've talked, and I had to study this, I had to get convicted before you are. I've done all those three at one time or another. I have to fight the third one all the time. Things pressing in on me to choke that word. Pastoring all these people and going through what we've been through in the last year and readjust. Listen, life happens when you're making other plans. And... We all have to deal with those pressures. So it's, it's a resolve to put him first. So I have to fight it all the time. But what, which of those soils are you? The, the hard ground? Are, are you uncertain about your salvation? Is there a question mark in your mind about that? When you're alone with yourself at night, your head hits the pillow. Thoughts come in. Are those thoughts ever, am I really saved? Do I know Jesus really? Because it doesn't seem that I do. You need to listen to those thoughts. Or is it you just not put down roots? You just haven't. You've been on the periphery of Christianity, on the outside looking in, and there's never been any roots. And what about that? thorny soil where those the problems of life are crowding in and it eats up your time with God and finally you're chasing those things instead of him listen I'm not here to condemn you or judge you I've done them all we need 
Jesus to guide us, all of us together, don't we? So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If you would just bow with me for a moment. And if you have a question about your salvation, dear friend, listen, settle it today. Don't let the devil snatch that seed off of your heart. But take advantage of hearing it right now. Don't let the devil steal it. He'll steal it before you get home if you don't respond. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. I just want you to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I don't want the enemy to steal the gospel from my heart. I receive your son into my heart today. Jesus, be my Savior and Lord. now, if you've had that stony heart or that heart where thorns have begun to choke the word, just say with me, Lord, forgive me for putting other things before you. Help me to put first things first and to resolve to seek first the kingdom. Now, can we just lift our hands for a moment to say, Lord, I want to be good ground. Help me to be good ground. Help me to be good ground. I receive your word. I hold tight to your word. I'm not going to let it be stolen from me. I'm not going to neglect it. I'm not going to be distracted from it. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. You can put them down with your heads bowed. Say, Jeff, I prayed with you to accept the Lord or to come back to the Lord. Would you just slip your hand up in the air? Just right where you are. Just put them up. I prayed with you. Bless you. Bless you and you. All over this place. God bless you over here. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Would you? I did this when I got saved. I want you to slip out from where you are. Just come and stand right here. I want to have a special prayer with you right here. Just come. You see, if you can't walk down here, how in the world are you going to stand up out there? say, why do I need to come down there? Because it's a step of faith. You're putting feet to your faith. And I want to pray with you. So if you raise your hand, would you come right now? Come on. I saw many of you raise your hand. Just slip out and come. Nobody's going to bite you. Nobody's going to hurt you. Come on. Come on. Come down. Just stand right here. From way back there. Come on. I'm going to wait for you. Way back in the back. I'm going to wait for you. Keep coming, keep coming. Come on. Yeah, from way back in the back. Come on. See, this is the incorruptible, imperishable seed doing what it does. Keep coming. God bless all of you. God bless you. I mean, you know, there's nothing more important than getting it right and, and walking with him. And I, I love you folks in, in Christ. I don't know you, but I love you in Christ. I don't know most of you. How many of you are visiting today? Many of you visiting. All right. Back over there. Good. I want to pray with you. And this is serious because God has heard you. Father, thank you for blessing them. And I pray your touch on their life. 
seal this decision with the power of your spirit. Thank you that you've got a wonderful plan for every one of them, particularly to bring forth fruit. Thank you, Lord, that they are all going to be good ground in Jesus' name. Amen.